The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Okay, so we have been on the teaching Fruitful Vine, right? Fruitful Vine and um, talking about Christian conduct. That has been our emphasis. And the emphasis is about um, being able to show the fruits that we have now that we are believers and now that we are born again. And this is so essential. Hallelujah. This is so essential. The reason why it's essential is because um, as believers, we need to ensure that we show the character, you know, the new man that we are in Christ. Because when we don't show that character, when we don't show that new man that we are in Christ, it can be a bit confusing because, well, people will be wondering whether you are really saved or not. And as a Christian, you need to demonstrate, all right, the new fruit, the new person that you are, you know, in Christ. The Bible lets us know that we have, it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the word. The loss of the flesh. Then he tells us what the loss of the flesh are, and he tells us what the fruit of the spirit is. He says that the spirit lusted against the flesh, and the flesh against the spirit, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But he says, if you walk all right according to the spirit, you shall fulfill all right um, all of the laws. So the man who walks in the spirit will not break any of the laws. Of Moses because the laws of Moses are actually wrapped up in two things. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as what thyself. We saw and we've seen repeatedly that when you look at um, the commandments, all right, the laws of Moses, they are actually based on your relationship, the relationship between a man and another man, all right, the relationship between people, all right, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. All those things actually speak to relationship between human beings. Hallelujah. All right, all those things we speak to about the relationship between human beings. So God is very interested in us bearing fruits that reveal that we are his children. John 15. John 15. Jesus says this. I want us to read this. John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and ye are my what? Branches. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Okay, sorry. I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. What does that tell you? He's telling you, he's using himself. Jesus uses himself, all right, and uses a true vine or a vine or a tree as a metaphor to refer to himself. All right. What does that tell you? It tells you very much that Jesus spoke a lot in metaphors and typologies. Praise God. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Now, the father is the gardener. Husbandman means gardener. He now says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it might what? Bring forth more fruit. Can you see that? It means God is very particular about... Branches that bear what? Fruits. Praise God. I said praise God. 
All right, it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it taketh away. And every branch, branch here is in, is in Italy, they beareth fruit, it purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So that means if you produce fruit, God is interested in you producing what? More fruit. So God will purge you so that you can produce what? More fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide what? In me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me ye can do what? Nothing. Praise God. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are born. So what is he saying? We are, he's saying, all right, what we have actually talked about the past week, that walking in sound Christian conduct and walking in the spirit and producing fruits of a spiritual kind come as a result of constant, continual fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. Fellowship in the word and fellowship in the spirit. Then we also see that except a man is in Christ, there are certain fruits he cannot produce. Hallelujah. There are certain fruits he cannot produce. Glory to God. So when Jesus talks about fruit, bearing fruits, it therefore means that, and look at his, uh, uh, his reaction when he says, if any branch in me that bears no fruit, he taketh away. Now, before you think that he says he casted the, the, that branch away, all right, in gardening, Whenever you are in a garden and you see a branch, all right, not bearing fruit, what the gardener does is to find out why that branch is not bearing fruit, all right? Is it because it's not getting enough water? Is it that it's not getting a lot of, a, enough what? Light. You know, he talks about the vine. Now, the vine, the way the vine grows is that it, the branches twirl around. They can twirl around the fence. They can go, you know. Then sometimes they can actually go to a path, all right, where there's not much sunlight. Praise God. So many times when you find a, a, a vine not producing fruit, what the gardener does is that he takes the vine and he lifts it up to sunlight so that it can receive sunlight and what gets um, all it needs towards to produce fruits. But the, the, the major thing from John 15 is that God is averse to barrenness. For you to be a Christian and we cannot find Christian conduct with you, it is an aberration. Praise the Lord. It's an aberration. For you to be a Christian, we cannot find integrity with you. For you to be a Christian and for us not be able to find trust your words. For you to be a Christian and for us not to be able to what, be confident that you can handle certain things is an aberration. Hallelujah. Now look at what he says in 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 4. Now he says here, 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 4. He says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue what? Knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, and to patience godliness. This is talking about character. So he's saying that, you have believed in Jesus, so let us now add to your faith. He said, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue, there is moral excellence. Moral excellence. Hallelujah. Moral excellence. Amen? That means 
when they look at your conduct and your behavior, glory to God, even on the balance of morality, you don't fall short. Are you following? They'll say he's a virtuous man. So when it comes to doing certain deals, you would always want to say, is this deal right or is it wrong? You don't want to fall or fail on the side of morality. Moral excellence, virtue. He said, add it to your faith. That the next thing he says, add to your faith is what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Don't be a believer who does not have adequate knowledge to explain why he believes what he believes. Glory to God. Amen. Don't be that kind of believer. Add to your faith knowledge. Then the next one, add to your faith temperance, self-control. Self-control. Your ability to say no to food, to say no to, to drugs, to say no to sex, to say no to the things you ought to say no to. Temperance, self-control. Your ability to have control over your time. The ability to show up at the right time. Glory to God. The ability to live when you should live. Self-control. Your ability to control, all right, how long you sleep, how much you eat, when you eat. Self-control, temperance. He said, add it to your faith. Don't let it be that all we say about you is that you are saved. Hallelujah. Let's also be able to say you have temperance. You know, temperance, glory to God, it's not just self-control as it regards sex. Because when you say self-control, people always talk about, oh, sex. No, no, no. Self-control is actually broad. It is self-control as it regards everything. Self-control as it regards speech. Wanting to say something and having the capacity to keep yourself from saying it. Hallelujah. Wanting to tweet something and having the capacity to keep yourself from tweeting it. Self-control. Glory to God. Wanting to air your mind at a particular point, but you find out that what you are about to say will not edify, so you keep yourself from airing your mind. Glory to God. It's self-control. Temperance. Everybody say temperance. 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 And another thing what temperance does is temperance, actually, that quality, that Christian quality, helps you when a man is a woman is in self-control, you find that they, they, they are not giving to outburst of anger. Hallelujah. Glory to God, because they are able to control themselves. Usually, when somebody is angry, they've lost control. Are you following what I'm saying? Anger is actually a demonstration of a loss of control. You've lost control. Temperance. Add to your faith, temperance. That the next thing he says we add is what? Patience. 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 One of the qualities of patience is that patience has the capacity to suffer long. You know, patience and endurance are synonymous terms. Endurance. Glory to God. Ability to wait for what God has promised to come into full manifestation. Believers need to be patient people. Unfortunately, our generation currently is not being raised to be patient. We've been, we are, our generation currently is being raised to have things done in their own way and at their own time. When you have that kind of mindset, patience is not something that is developed. So you find that the average believer wants things done now. So the guy who is 25 wants to get in at age 25 what men get at age 35. Are you following? All right, then he wants to call it speed. You get. All right, he wants to call it uncommon speed. You know, and pastors now make it, you know, 
very enforced in the mindset because they're not beginning to say God is able to give, make, give you at 25 what others are getting at what 40. Are you following? So the guy at 25 now begins to be impatient with God when he doesn't see those things the guy that is 40 year old is already enjoying that he wants to enjoy at 25. Are you following? So he now does every single thing to assist God because he's impatient. You know, I was looking at this story of this Obi-Wan-Ne KK. I mean, if you know this Obi-Wan-Ne KK guy who was into fraud and has been sentenced to 10 years imprisonment. I actually found that the guy was a church boy. Was going to church. In fact, his pastor wrote the judge to ask for leniency that they never knew that he was in all those things. That in church, he was very active in church. He was supportive of the youths and he was, you know, addressing the youth and giving them lectures and stuff. You know, basically teaching them how to succeed. <laughs> but think about it. If you think about the sermons that comes out from most pulpits, you will now understand why it was possible for somebody to live that kind of life and that the word of God from the pulpit never killed that desire. You understand? Because he was the model. He was young. 30-something years, a billionaire in Naira. You understand? So it made sense. But he was a thief. Praise the Lord. And you know the funny thing is, that guy's impatience in waiting for God's time to actually bless him because he was a smart businessman. You understand? All right. Has actually brought a lot of, you know, problem now. And the funny thing is we cannot rule out the fact that the church must have also been a benefactor from the stolen, the stolen, uh, <laughs> raise the Lord. <laughs> I didn't say anything, no. <laughs> praise God. So where were we? He says, and besides, it's giving all diligence at your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, and temperance, patience, and to patience, what? Godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is what? Is, all right, Uzebia. He's talking about godlikeness. Hallelujah. He's talking about holiness. Holiness. Holiness in dressing. Holiness in speech. Holiness in interacting with people. Add it to your feet. Praise the Lord. Add it to your feet. Add it, add it. How many of you have ever eaten soup that there's no salt? Everything else is there. Fish is there. Homo is there. Meat is there. Everything is there, but there's no salt. Some believers are like that. They are born again. They talk in tongues. But their conduct, there is no godliness in their conduct. Praise God. They are always loud on accepting me the way I am. This is how I like to dress. Don't judge me. These people are always judging. Don't judge. You understand? When you hear people talking like that, that's an immature person who has not learned to add to his faith word godliness. I hope you know that godliness, we can see it. Every single thing Paul is mentioning here, all right? The faith you've received in Christ, we can't see it. Are you following what I'm saying? It's in your heart. Is that correct? But every single thing he's talking about, we can see it. If a man is self-controlled, we can see it. Amen? If a woman is virtuous, we can see it. Morally excellent. We can see it. It is not in the heart. It is sin. So what Paul is talk uh, Peter is talking about here, he's talking about adding qualities that are in your created human spirit, but we need to see it in your performance, in your conduct. It is not what makes you saved, but it is what shows that you are saved. Praise God. 
He said, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. Philadelphia, brotherly kindness. That means being good to, all right, to members of the body. All right. Also, being friendly with people, getting along with people. Don't be a Christian that is noted for not being able to get along. Whenever there are people in a place, you are the one that doesn't get along. He's saying, add to your faith what? Brotherly what? Kindness. Praise God. If person A has a problem with you, you have a problem with you, yeah, all of them, so the problem is not them, it's you. So all you have to do is just repent and brotherly kindness. Add it. Glory to God. Because if it starts going around that this is the kind of person you are, you are going to shut doors to yourself. There are many doors we shut because of our conduct. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. He said, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, what? Brotherly kindness, what? Love. He now says, verse 8, everybody would want to go. He says, for if these things be in you, and what? Talk to me. And what? So he's saying that these qualities, you need to add it, all right, to your character in a super abundant measure. Add it. Let it be that we don't just have a little of it. Let it be that we have excess of it when we encounter you. He said, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying that if you don't have these character qualities and these character traits in you, in your conduct and your relationship with people, though you know the Lord Jesus, you will not produce results without knowledge you know. In that you are not going to win souls because your conduct will be an impediment to people receiving the knowledge of Jesus that you have. Have you ever heard people say, you want to preach to me? Have you heard people say, you want to preach to me? Uh, have you preached to yourself first? What are they telling you? What they are telling you is that we have not yet seen the fruit of the knowledge of Jesus that you are trying to share in your life first. No, there's nobody that does not want a good thing. Are you following what I'm saying? There is nobody that doesn't want a good thing. If someone sees someone and says, wow, I like that. This person's life is this. They will not say, sorry, why are you like this? And you cannot share the gospel. Men don't get saved by your good conduct. But your good conduct will cause them to come and ask, why are you like this? It will make them ask questions. Are you following what I'm saying? Then it's from that coming closer, they will come and ask, you know, praise God. I've noticed something that some bad boys always want to toast Christian sisters. Do you know why? They see something in the conduct of that sister. When they try to woo her with money, she's not moved. When they try to woo her, you know, bring all the things that other girls go for, she, you understand? I'm talking of Christian sister, or, you know, original one, you know. Because mm -hmm. they are very fake ones now. They are woke. Glory to God. You know, the ones that will be discussing with you how many aliquots of, of gin they can take. I'm saved, baby. Glory to God. But I still drink vodka. Amen. Glory. Oh, he's going to take me to Dubai for staycation. Woo! We are, they are going. Uh -huh. I'm not talking of those ones. I'm talking of Christian. The, the, the ones that have added to their feet. <laughs> <laughs> glory to God. I said glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Very important. Right, it says, wherefore the, wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never what 
fall. What is the fall he's talking about? The fall he's talking about, he's talking about fall in sin. You understand? Fall into sin. Praise God. You see, because you see, the apostolic fathers, the apostolic um, guys, they um, that's the apostles, they always wanted to raise believers, all right, where who walked in the spirit and uh, falling into sin was the exception. Are you following what I'm talking about? Such that they will say, if any man sinned. It didn't, they didn't say when any man sinned. Because it was an anomaly to sin. That was the consciousness they had. They had such a heaven-mindedness and an heaven-consciousness that they were like, if you had time, all right, to indulge in any sin in the earth realm, all right, it's an anomaly. But don't worry, if you sin, we have an advocate. That's why I didn't say when. Because when implies that it's normal. If implies it's an exception. It's conditional. If. Are you following what I'm saying? You understand? So they never had that mindset that a man would be born again, then he would be swimming in sin. No. It's an aberration. Why would a, 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 uh, uh, a lion live in water? It doesn't make sense. It's only fish that will live in water. Why will a fish live on land? It doesn't make sense. A fish will live in water. You have been born again, you will live in righteousness. Hallelujah. You were born again, you will live in holiness. All right, if you are living on righteousness, that's an aberration. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, but he that lacketh these things. That means if you lack these qualities that he says you should add to your faith. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And had forgotten that he was what? Paused from his what? Old sins. So that means, alright, if you are Lacking in these fruits, it means that you have forgotten you have saved. You're forgotten. You've forgotten that you have saved. You've forgotten that you are born again. You've forgotten the kind of person that you are. So the man who believes the gospel is to bear fruit, and if he doesn't, he has forgotten the manner of man he has been made in the new birth. Now, where a believer was now pay attention. When where a believer was consistently in a wrong way, there is a protocol for getting them straightened up. Did I tell you what today's sermon title was? I just said fruitful vinyl. Ah, no, let me tell you. The, the, <laughs> discipline and character development. Discipline and character development in the, you know, uh, as a subtitle of um, um, the fruitful vine. There is a place for disciplining believers, chastising believers to help them produce the fruit that they should. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The chastisement or the disciplining of a believer is not for condemnation, but to help them produce. What discipline is, is saying, you are supposed to produce these fruits. You are not. So we are introducing this measure to assist you in the production of the fruits. Discipline is to say that the fruits you are currently producing is not consistent with your nature. So we are trying to ensure we assist you to, you know, are you following what I'm saying? It's like, for example, when you have a child who is misbehaving, why do you discipline that child? You discipline that child because the child is not behaving as he should behave. Amen. So, for example, I remember um, sometime um, 30 or 40 years ago, some folks now began to say that disciplining the child was child abuse. Are you following? Child abuse. So, you now had in the West, all right, when a child did something wrong, you say, Mom, you're stupid. And the mom would say, don't talk to me like that, Jay. Don't talk to me. You're stupid. I hate you. 
I hate you, mama. And the child will, the child will say, I hate you, mama. And the child, mother will not cry, oh, he hates me. Now, in Nigeria, if the child tried that, the mother is going to smack that child. Then the child will like, know that when I speak this way, mother calls it foolish and she's going to address that foolishness. Are you following? Are you following? The Bible talks about spare the rod of correction and you will what? Spoil the child. All right? Now, the rod of correction does not have to be cane. It can be words. But I can tell you, from what Solomon was talking about, cane, cane, Egba, is indicated. Hallelujah. You know, I always find it so cute when very young people talk about parenting. You understand? It's so cute, you know. And they're always talking so much about something you have no clue about. Very cute, you know. I will not smack my child. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. Have it first. Have the child first. Praise God. Have the child first. When the child comes and feels it's okay to carry the remote and stone the television. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. You understand that there is an aspect of parenting where spanking, though mild, glory to God, is scriptural. You understand. <laughs> no, mild, you know, appropriate. You say it's just words. Ah, okay. Glory to God. Let's continue the word. Are you ready? Now, where a believer walks consistently in a wrong way, there is a protocol for getting them straightened up. Listen to me. If you are a believer and you are consistent, consistently walking in a way that is in opposition to the word of God and you are a local church and your pastor is not disciplining you, you are in a wrong church. Because you are going to end up in the dustbin of ministry, the dustbin of life. It's not a cause. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. You are a believer. You are, your life is disorderly. Eh? The sister is living in a brother's house she's not married to. And from there, she's coming for choir practice. And it's not that she's a secret. Though. Everybody in the neighborhood knows that she's living with a brother she's not married to. Then she now comes to invite people for church. <laughs> we have each church. How, how will they follow you? <laughs> Which church? Which church? Which church are they following you to? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then the church knows and everybody's keeping quiet. They don't want to offend you. May your ego not finish you in Jesus' name. Good. Why are they to talk to me like that? Eh? Why? We don't know you are the second Antichrist. <laughs> After the Holy Spirit, you are assisting, assisting the Godhead. So we can't talk to you. How dare you? We worship you. <laughs> we worship you. We bow before your throne. <laughs> Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5. So discipline and chastisement is important. Very important. If you look at the book of Revelations, you find that Jesus corrects and chastises seven church pastors. Why? Because it is consistent with sonship for you to be chastisement. 
And one thing you as a believer must embrace is correction and chastisement. You should embrace it. Why? Because you see, when you are chastised, it is bringing your attention to that part of your life where you are not working perfectly, where you are not working perfectly yet. It is not a condemnation. It is to realign you. Praise God. And look what he says about this guy. He said, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication, as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Think about it. A member of a church in Corinth was sleeping with his father's wife. Now, you know, there is their levels. Maybe it was, you know, there's, he was sleeping with the wife in secret, but the wife was still with the father. No, this one, this one went above that. He was sleeping with the wife. Then now took over the wife and the wife started living with him. His father's wife. Obviously, it's his stepmother. Are you following? Because the woman must have been his age. The father was older. Maybe the mother of the boy died. So he got a younger woman and all. And him and he was contending with his father's wife. They would have explained it that they are in love. You understand? And that the church should stop judging. You, you have heard that before. People are not walking according to scriptures. And when you want to correct them, they will not begin to say, you are judging. They hate me. So, despite all the noise, he didn't pay attention. Pay, continue reading. He says what? Can we read? Continue. Verse 2. Uh-huh. Now, notice, notice what Paul is emphasizing on. He says, And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. So Paul's emphasis was, the man who is continuing this sin being what? Taken away from among you. Are you following? Mm -hmm. He now says, For I verily as absent in the body, but I present in the spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that had done, uh, that so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan, for the destruction of the what? Of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Many, many folks have misunderstood what this verse 5 is talking about. All right. So let us explain what it means to deliver unto Satan. Now, what Paul is actually talking about was excommunication. Praise God. All right. To, to deliver a man, a member of the body of Christ, unto Satan is to excommunicate him from that local assembly. I will show you what it means so that you can understand. So let us break it down. The word deliver, all right, is for paradidomi, and it means to yield or hand over. That's what it means, to yield or hand over. Okay? Now, Satan, all right, what the word Satan means is prosecuting lawyer. I've told you this before, right? Prosecuting lawyer. The word Satan is not a biblical word. It is a word. It is a Greek word. It is Greek. Like Diabolos, you know, all right, um, Satanas. The word Satan is actually Satanas, all right, Satanas. Lucifer is Latin, okay? And Lucifer is not, I don't even think it's ever used, right? Lucifer majorly actually is talking about morning star, and it means a popular person or someone who is very, very bright, someone who is very popular, all right? Lucifer is from the, is in the um, Greek Phosphorus, all right, in the Latin Lucifer. Lucifer is a Latin word, 
All right. So Lucifer is not the name of Satan. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not the name of Satan. Because Jesus is also called Lucifer. Where Peter was saying, where the day dawn, the day star, dawn in your heart. That day star, dawn in your heart, is all used to refer to Christ. You understand? So, all right, Lucifer is a metaphor used to refer to individuals. All right? So, all right, in the, in, um, the book of Isaiah, I think Isaiah, Ezekiel, it was talking about a king. Okay, but there is the principle of double reference. But the first reference was to a king. You understand? So when he says, oh, morning star, that morning star is saying that the guy was what? Popular. Well known. Everybody knew who he was. Because that's what, you know, the metaphor is referring to. All right, praise God. So now the word Satan means a prosecuting lawyer. He's talking about an accuser. Someone that brings an accusation against somebody. Glory to God. That's what it means. So, when he says to deliver such an one to Satan, all right, it means that an accusation had been brought against the guy. What was the accusation that was brought against the guy? That he had his what? Father's wife. Are you following? That was the accusation. Praise the Lord. Now, normally, if a man sinned in church... And he hurt his brother in church. What the doctrine of the church was is that love covers what? A multitude of sin. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And verse 8. Now look at what it says. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover what? The multitude of sins. So that means the approach of the church was first to what? If there was a sin and somebody hurt you, it was not to publicize it, not to punish you for it, but to cover it. Are you following what I'm saying? It was to what? Cover it. That was the first approach. Love covers a multitude of sin. The second approach, all right, when sin or when people were hurt, all right, in the local church, after covering it, was to restore the sinner. Because it is not normal for that sinner, that believer, to live a life of sin. Praise God. So in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, look at what it says there. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a what? Fault. Ye which are what? Spiritual. Restore such an one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be what? Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you, are you seeing that? So what they did was, the first step was to what? Was to cover his sin. The second one was to restore him to walk as he should walk. Now, notice here, he's saying that he's talking about someone who has been overtaken in a fault. That means his will, the ability to walk as a Christian should, he has lost it, so to speak. So, habitually, this guy is just sinning, and it's public knowledge. Praise God. Oh, he was an alcoholic. All right? He stopped after he got saved. But after some time, he fell into alcoholism again and couldn't stop. 
You understand? He has been overtaking you what? In a fault. Oh, she was uh, she was sleeping around, but after she got born again, she stopped. Then all of a sudden, you will not find that she has slept with like seven people in church. You understand? What would church do? Cover her. Praise God. Not open Insta blog. I mean, you say, <laughs> there's one sister Chinyere in Oikia. Man, this sister is a public toilet. Nah, man. No, 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 no. That, that's not Christian. We are not a news, uh, news outfit that just begins to share, you know, believers' fault. No. Since Achiria, we cover her. That's number one. Number two, we do what? We restore her. Now, notice it says, ye who are what? Spiritual. Which means, when a man is overtaking in a fault, all right, our reaction to that man perpetually committing a particular sin or being overtaken in a fault, we describe the kind of people we are. It would, our reaction to that uh, um, um, state of being overtaken and forth, we tell who we are, whether we are carnal or what, whether we are what, spiritual. Because it's, because it's only those who are spiritual that can restore a man overtaking and forth back to his feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are, are you seeing that? He said, ye who are spiritual, restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness. So he says, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's humility. Do you know why it says in the spirit of meekness? Do not see yourself as being better than that man. Do not see yourself as being better than that woman because you are walking even by the spirit. You are saved even by grace. Don't now begin to look at yourself as superior to that one who fell. Help that person. Restore that person in the spirit of what? Meekness. Praise God. Be careful what you say when men fall or when women fall into sin. Hallelujah. Please, can I have a second battery? The battery is low. Because what you say would be kind of like an indication of where you think the ability to walk as you should walk comes from. Are you following what I'm saying? Because sometimes when we are walking right and we are in good spiritual health, we begin to feel, we have this pride somewhere inside of us that, ah, ah, am I not walking like this? Eh? I can't be sleeping around. Am I sleeping around? Am I? Am I an alcoholic? Am I smoking cigarettes? Am I? What's all that? If I can do it, you can There is something about human beings that want to brag. I mean, you, you know that thing? It's inside. You want to brag. It's... Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, the approach of the son to when people sin is, number one, cover their sins. All right? Or cover the sins they did. So, that means they hurt you, you cover. Glory to God. 
Now, that's not when the person did something against the state too. Like somebody raped on that person. We don't cover that one, no. It's against, a crime against what? The state. Or a brother so-and-so slept with a 14-year-old child or 12-year-old child. That's a, that is what? A crime against what? The state. We carry that one to police station. Amen? Because if we don't, we are obstructing justice. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not talking of that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We're not talking of covering up crimes. Let me be clear. Glory to God. All right. So, however, when the man who is overtaking becomes puffed up and arrogant, that means this person is in sin. But instead of having remorse about what he has done and wanting to receive help to be restored, this man is now, or woman is now going in arrogance and flaunting this lifestyle. Like this man in Corinth, the Corinthian church, he was coming with the woman, you know, with his father's wife to church and they were taking communion together, praise God. And during the Holy Ghost meeting, you know, and they're falling under the power. Let me tell you something. Never underestimate the ability of Christians to fall under the power, speak in tongues, prophesy while living in sin. Amen. Person can be, a person can be, she could be having an affair. You understand? And during that period of the affair, that person can now be very vocal concerning spirituals. <laughs> I see in the spirits. You'll be shocked. So you know me wonder, ha! Ah, you know, as a pastor, I've seen a lot. A lot! Ha! Ah, a lot! I've seen people, a chorister come from the boyfriend's house after having marathon sex to come and lead praise and watch. I mean, to be powerful. They basically now begin to cry. And all of us begin to cry. Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! And, we, and from afar, we say, what a wonderful Christian. Oh, look at This is the result of fellowship. This is it. This is it. <laughs> it's powerful. Are you following what I'm saying? So that's why you don't use what's going on on this stage to judge anybody. Amen. If you do that, you're on your own. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, when that person is puffed up, living in open sin, a different approach is, is taken. All right? So when that expression to deliver up to Satan is referring to this person has an accusation of wrongdoing against him. Normally, we will cover his sin and bring him into restoration. So that means the pastor takes into place, we cover his sin, and we will try to restore him to a proper way of life. So that means the pastor would have gone to the Corinthian brother and told him, brother, you need to repent of this. And this discipline separate from this woman. All right. She's your father's wife. You understand? You shouldn't be doing this. Show him the scripture and all of that. And he submits to that restoration going on. But when he's puffed up and does not submit to the restoration and says, no. Abigail wants to leave my father. and She wants to live with me. I'm a one and only true love. And whether you guys like it or not, we're going to do this. Are you following what I'm saying? You come to meet a brother. He, he and the lady are not married. They are, they are living together. And you try to say, no, pastor, this is none of your business. 
This is none of this is nobody's business. I'm an adult, she's an adult, we can do whatever we want to do. It's puffed up, it's arrogant. You commit such and want to say that. What, what does that mean? What you say is you excommunicate this person. And that excommunication of that person is to show that we do not approve of your lifestyle. Amen. We don't give you mic. We don't give you any responsibility. We don't tell you to do nothing in church. We don't approve of your lifestyle. So we deliver such an one to the accusation. Let me show you what Jesus, how Jesus put it. Matthew chapter 18. And verse 15. Now, that excommunication or separation from that person is not to condemn the person, but to make that person very aware that that person, your lifestyle is wrong. Are you following? To say, so that that person can have it on his conscience, that the reason why they separated from me is because I was living in direct opposition to the word. And after it was brought to my attention, I still stubbornly persisted in it. That is the purpose of the separation. Now, note, we don't do that for people, all right, who are what? Who are not born again. Because Paul even says that. Glory to God. Paul even says that. He says, do not complain for fornicators, all right, adulterers, covetous. He says, I'm not talking of the fornicators that are in the world. All right, because that would mean that we have to what? Get out of the world. And he said, I'm talking of anyone who says he is a brother. That means he, I, he says he's a Christian. Yet, he's openly living in those things. You see, what are the ones that are secretly living in those things? That's between that person and God. We are talking of the open one. We can see it. Because the open one, it will affect people's consciences. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Now look at Matthew 18, 15. He said, moreover, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 16. He now says, but if he will not hear thee then, take with thee one or two more, that in the amount of two or three witnesses, every word may be what? Established. There's 17. He now says, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Are you seeing the steps of reconciliation? Try to get this brother, you understand, to admit he's wrong. First, you tell the brother. Next, you bring two or three witnesses to the brother. Then next, you tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an a what? Hating man, an a what? Which means don't deal with him. Because his conduct has denied the faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. The same expression, deliver such and one to the devil, deliver such and one to Satan, is also used. 1 Timothy 1, 20. It says, of whom is Arminius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto what? Satan, that they may learn not to what? Blaspheme. So what did he do? Arminius, if you look at this in context, Arminius and, uh, and Alexander were preaching false doctrine. So, they were warned. So, obviously, that protocol I showed you from Scripture would have been followed. Which means he would have called Amenos and Alexander and said, this thing you are teaching is not correct. You see from here, from here, from here, from here, from here. 
He didn't listen. Then they brought other people, elders of the church. This is what we believe in this local church, all right, in Asia Minor, Ephesus. This is what we teach, apostolic doctrine, this, 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 this. All right, they did not listen. They kept trying to, because Amenos and Alexander were actually leaders in the church. Hallelujah. They were preaching false doctrine. So Paul now says, he commits them such an, uh, to Satan, which means they were marked, and all of the members of the churches were told not to associate with them or to treat them as brethren. All right? That's what that meant. So, all right, um, committing such an one to Satan is referring to excommunication. And usually the excommunication was not forever, but was until repentance happened. Because if you look at 2 Corinthians, you find out, let's look at 2 Corinthians, you find out that Paul brought about a restoration of that guy who sinned. Praise God. Let me look, where's that now? Okay, look at this. Look at Second Corinthians 2 and verse 4. It says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which, which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, ye hath not grieved me, but, uh, but in part that I may not overcharge you. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrariwise ye ought rather to forgive him, and what? Comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed with what? Over much sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that he would confirm your love towards him. For to this end, all right, also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in what? All things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it for your sakes, forgive I it in the person of Jesus Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of what? What is he talking about? So that guy, they separated their fellowship from him, and they separated from him. So that guy was alone. Are you following? Then, uh, from what Paul has said, obviously that guy repented and showed remorse. All right, so he's writing his second letter to them that forgive him for the attitude in 1 Corinthians 5 and accept him back since he has repented. Are you following? All right, so he's saying that you extend and show love to him, which means they withdrew their love from that person. The purpose of the withdrawing of that love is to get that person's attention that his lifestyle is wrong. So that withdrawing of love and fellowship is an act of love. I don't, are, are you following? Though it, it looks like it is hard or it is tough love, but it's an act of love. Listen to me. There are many believers that actually require tough love. All this pampering, pampering, pampering their flesh it will not help them. It will not help them. You need to not help them. There is a level in God you will never get to without tough love. Without discipline. Glory to God. Glory to God. Without discipline. You will never get there without discipline. Without correction. Sharp rebuke. You won't get there. Praise God. 
Because many folks are always looking for, they have this idea of a God that toasts them and a pastor that toasts them, you know. Always soft-spoken. I like this pastor, always soft-spoken. Glory to God. Get away from me. You know, Valentine is over, man. The church is a barrack. There are times of rebuke. Sharp rebuke. There are some that say, ah, if they rebuke me in church, man, I'm going, no. I won't come, I'll come to that church again. You're a child. Let me read the scripture to you. Do you want to read it? Look at it. Hebrews chapter 12. From verse 5 to 11. Discipline. Discipline. Now, that concept of discipline has been abused by leaders, yes. All right? But you see, it doesn't change the fact that there's a place of discipline. Remember Jesus. Jesus, all right, was having a time with his disciples. Then Peter comes and says, uh, Jesus asks them, who do, who, do men, who do men say that I am? And everybody comes with the ideologies. Then Jesus said, who do ye say that I am? Then Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus responds, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is what? In heaven. Then just some verses later, Peter comes to tell him, he says, far be it from you to go and, go and die on the cross. What do you mean you are going to die? You are the Messiah, man. You're going to sit on the throne of David, man. I'm going to be the right hand by you, man. Glory to God. I'm going to be your Joab. I'm going to rule this, this land. We're going to chase the Romans out. That's what we're going to do. Don't talk about no dying. We're not dying anywhere. Jesus turns sharply and rebukes who? Peter and says, get thee behind me, what? Sharp rebuke. Peter didn't say, I'm leaving his church to go on to our church. If the devil could speak through Peter, you think he can't speak to anybody? In today's church, you will find that the pastor will try to be explaining to Peter. There are certain behavioral patterns that does not require explanation. It requires sharp rebuke. That's what we walk. There are sometimes when my son is doing something, you know, when I'm saying... Baby, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop it. Then you stop. You know. My shouting, did he, did he make it? Uh, does mean I don't love him? I love him. But I had to get his attention. Because that knife he's playing with, that I'm about to take out of his hand, he can enjoy him. Are you following what I'm talking about? Hebrews 12, 5. Look how it says. And ye have forgotten the exhortation. We speak it unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art what? Rebuked of what? Of him. All right. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he what? Now, some will think that the Lord does this chastening and chastisement directly. That we just come at night and begin to flog you. I chasten you. I chastise you. No. <laughs> That's not how he does it. When David sinned in the matter of Bathsheba, how did God correct David? He corrected David through who? Prophet Nathan. Hallelujah. Prophet who? Nathan. So usually, the chastening of the Lord and the scourging of the Lord all right, are communicated in words through men. True men. Then he says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he what he receiveth. Scourgeth every son he receiveth. 
recorded every Sunday. You see, now when, as time goes on, we were going to look at um because I didn't for today I didn't want us to start doing a verse revised analysis of Hebrews thirteen five. All right, but when we do it, we'll find out that all right, um, Paul was using the book of Proverbs because the um, this scripture actually is in the book of Proverbs. And when you go to the book of Proverbs, you're going to find out that when he's talking about scourging and chastening, he's talking about correction. He's not talking about correction with sickness and disease and things like that. He's talking about correction to establish, correction to instruct. Praise God. All right. Praise God. All right. All right. But if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers. Then, now when he says, but if you would be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, the all he's talking about, that he's saying the all are partakers, he's talking about all the sons in scripture. The record of scripture is filled with men that God chastised. Did God chastise Moses? Yes. Did he chastise Elijah? Yes. Did he chastise David? Yes. Praise the Lord. Did he chastise Solomon? Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did he chastise Abraham? Yes. Hallelujah. Correction is for sons. Correction is for what? Sons. Discipline is for sons. It is only bastards you don't discipline. Because you are not going to give them the inheritance. But for sons, you have to correct them because you are going to hand over the keys to the house to them. And they need to run the house well. Hallelujah. Correction is for sons. So, it is one thing to be chastised or corrected. It is also another thing for you to receive correction. Because the child that we grow as he should grow is the one that what? Not only is corrected, but receives what? The correction. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, you know, many times I've said that the church is a school. It's a family and it's a what? Barak. It's a barrack. What God has done is he has placed spiritual leaders, pastors, ministry gifts over members of the church, all right, in such a way that whenever there is anyone walking out of alignment, by a correction and chastening, you can bring them back into alignment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. There was a member of church. person was a member of this church. This person came to me and told me she had a, a, a health challenge. I prayed with her over the phone. Rebuke the challenge. Declare, be healed, and you know, all like that. And that's what I did, you know. Then after I did that, I said, come to church. I told the person, come to church. So this person thought that I was saying, come to church because, you know, I just wanted the person to come to church. You understand? And she took it as a lack of care and concern for the diagnosis she just brought to me. You understand? And she left the church in Ireland. Never been back. Little did she know that why I was saying come to church was that after I had prayed, you needed to be where? In an environment and atmosphere of faith to keep what? Hearing. Glory to God. Because I knew the importance of the environment. Because if she's cut off from that environment, you understand, it will be more difficult to sustain the manifestation. Hallelujah. So, you must 
have that culture of receiving corrections, receiving rebuke, then let me even divert a bit. You need to understand, all right, the, have the ability of receiving instructions and carrying them out. Amen. Now, I'll tell you this. There are some instructions that God will give you, you won't understand. But he expects you to carry them out. How many of you know that Abraham did not understand the full instruction that God told him to get out of his father's house of his kindred to a land that will show you? Yet he obeyed. Alright? That's why it's called what? Faith. If you understood everything at the beginning, is it faith? No. Glory to God. You need to learn that instructions. Don't be the person that pastor has to explain everything. You have to explain. I'm very tired. So, you know, I was talking to someone, I think at work, um, you know, I think some years ago. And I said, do this. I had already said what person needed to do. Then the person now came back with one long story. I said, what I said, do this. Just do it. I know why I said you should what? Do it. Instructions. Praise God. This thing I'm telling you, I'm learning it too. And I've also found out something about the Lord. The Lord doesn't promote men when they don't have the capacity to be corrected. Why was Saul moved? Why was Saul moved? Why was Saul removed as king? When we look at the story, I'm not talking of the Christocentric aspect. I'm just talking about the story. The issue was simple. God gave him an instruction. He didn't carry it out. Then when he was corrected, instead of him to repent, what did he say? The people made me do it. Which means he's saying, don't blame me. Oh. Blame who? The people. So he couldn't accept what? Correction. God said, I can't use this guy. I can't use him. He has an alignment problem. Let's look for somebody else that we can use. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something and everybody pay attention to me very well. The calling... The Bible says, uh, the gifts and the callings of God are without what? Which means when God calls a man, he calls a man. Glory to God. A man can be called. Does not mean he fulfill his calling. Because if a man being called automatically meant his calling will be fulfilled, then Paul will not write and say, say to Archippus that he should what? Fulfill the ministry to it that he fulfills the ministry he has received what? In the Lord. Which means you can be called and not complete your calling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You understand? Listen, a man who does not know how to follow instructions, it will take time before he, he hears another instruction again. He will just find that there is no new word from the Lord. Because the one God gave him, he didn't, he didn't obey. Ministry is a partnership. It means you are the junior partner and God is the senior partner. As he declares what you should do, you are supposed to do it here on earth. The moment you stop partnering, he will look for another person to partner with. And the thing you must never forget is this. God does not have scarcity of men. I, I, I found out something. That for example, when God tells you to do something, God tells you, give to this and give to that. And you say, I won't give. Do what do we do? Somebody else, you just, you, you have missed the opportunity. Somebody else will give it. I've noticed also in, in, in ministry, I've noticed it. When someone becomes arrogant and says, what is it? I'm leaving this church, you understand? When I leave and I leave with my giving, the church will die. It's as though somebody is doing the pressing the button. The moment that person leaves, like five will just come. 
You understand? Five people do, you don't need to follow up. Oh. You know that you need to follow up. God will just bring five like that. They will just come sit down and they will not leave. And those ones will not give you problems like that. You understand? Showing you something. Let me tell you something. We God, never be arrogant and never be stubborn. Praise the Lord. Receive correction and receive discipline because it is part of what frames your character. Amen. You came late for choir meeting or you came late to workers meeting or you came late to church and you were disciplined. Accept that discipline. It is part of development. Glory to God. Accept it. Amen. Accept it. You, you did this and they say you are not singing or you are not working or you are not doing this for two weeks. Don't ask say, eh, I won't work for two weeks. Eh, I, won't, I won't show up in church for two weeks. The giving of discipline and the acceptance of discipline is a very important aspect of Christian growth and development. Don't be a baby in Christ. You can't be a baby in Christ forever. One day you have to grow up. Hallelujah. One day you have to grow up. You have to grow up. And if we are still trying to struggle with you with certain basics of character development, amen, when will we commit to you heavy stuff? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, the teaching of grace that we have as in that many have popularized, seem to mean that Jesus has done everything, we have nothing to do. All is done. All is done. All is done. But that's not what grace teaches. No. Jesus paid for your sins. All your sins are forgiven. But there are now responsibilities in the kingdom. Preaching is a responsibility in the kingdom. Jesus is not going to do it for you. Praying for the sick, responsibility in the kingdom. Jesus is not going to do it for you. Giving, sponsoring the kingdom is a responsibility. Jesus is not going to do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following? So he gave you the spirit to manifest the spirit. The giving of the spirit is his responsibility. Manifesting the spirit is your responsibility. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Salvation is a gift of God. Prayer is your responsibility. Salvation is a gift of God. Receiving training is your responsibility. The Holy Ghost is the gift of God. Attending church, that's your responsibility. Attending meetings on time, responsibility. So as a believer, you have to get to producing fruits that show that you are growing. If you disagree with a particular position in church or with somebody, or somebody else, how you express that disagreement shows whether you are growing or you are not. There's some folks that dis express this agreement in a personal way. They make it personal. Are you following? They are children. They've not grown up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you disagree. That's how they do in this church. Every, all of them. This is how, you understand? Child. That's a child. Glory to God. To learn to take correction. Amen. Amen. Let you take correction. If there's anything I've learned, is to take correction. To take correction. I take correction from my pastor. A lot. Pastor tell me this and I look at it. And so, pastor's right. I'm going to do it this way. There are sometimes when he says, oh, I don't even agree, but I do it. Amen. Because I have given him the benefit of the fact that there are certain things he knows I don't know yet. Are you following? 
I don't know yet. So I have to defer. I don't know yet. But you see, it is unfortunate when you have God has placed in your life, all right, people or gifts or ministry gifts that have gone ahead of you. They know more than you. Hallelujah. They see further than you do. Yet, all you do when you're interacting with them is to argue. Is to, I don't agree. And don't. You, cannot, you cannot be blessed. You can't take advantage of it. Amen. Amen. Okay, I remember. Let me just run up this. One of my, my sons here, here was, he got, uh, they told him to apply for a job. He applied and he told him, he said, Pastor, good job. They came, gave me something, something, something. I said, I said, go ahead. You got the job. You know, you have it, blah, 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 blah. Then after I did the interview, he came again. Now they asked me this question. Pastor, I want us to pray. Say, pray what? I said, you have the job. Go and sleep. You know. Then after some time, came back. Ah, I got the job. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen. Learn these things and grow properly. All right? One of the things that normally affect believers and that don't make them grow is not just the teaching of the word, not receiving the word, is actually not receiving tutelage, parenting. Amen. Because there is, you know, in class, I mean, you know, in, in school, the teacher teaches you, but the teacher doesn't only teach you mathematics and all of that. The teacher's responsibility is to actually help in what? Your character development. So that's why in the schools, they will tell you to come at a particular time. You can live at a particular time. That's why they will tell you, you need to go and, you know, sweep the compound, all right, and cut the grass if you are late. All of those things were character development. It had nothing to do with math, it had nothing to do with English, but they realized and they know that a proper education is not just in knowledge, but in what? In moral excellence. Praise the Lord. Have we learned something today? Can we lift our hands and just bring in the prayer in the Holy Ghost? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let us pray in the Spirit. Let's be, oh, glory to God. Nantakabasi ketelebaliya. Ekedeleboko supasi. Just pray in the Spirit. Mantila go stira siko You have just listened to a message by Rev. Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.